Central Christian Church. I'm at a different part of the service. Was that confuse anybody? Okay. Well, uh, my name is Tiffany Perkins, and I am so honored to be with you here today. I want to first of all pause and do a shout out to those people watching online, especially to my sweet Grandma Elsie, who had a stroke last Thursday, but is now home from the hospital. So Grandma, love you. Love you, family in Florida. And then two... I'm blessed with awesome in-laws. My in-laws are in the house, and I love my in-laws. So thank you for being here today as well. Well, I am so excited that we are continuing this series of courageous faith. I mean, that's, that's intense. And so our challenge has been issued that we would memorize the command from the Lord found in Joshua 1.9. And today, I felt compelled to invite some very special guests to lead us in sharing that verse. So if y'all want to come on down, let's give it up for our, our special guests. They're going to come right up here on stage. And they're going to lead us. You can come stand right in front. How about that? You guys, front and center are our, our awesome students. Cool. Well, let's start. Joshua 1.9, take it away. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid of For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. Let's give it up, right? Awesome. You guys can head back. Thanks. How cool is that? Let's give it up for our students, our youth students, and our kids. Guys, that's the next generation. And how incredible is that, that they are memorizing scripture. And I love that. You know, hey, uh, a couple couple years ago, well, it's been a few years, back in Bible college, I had a professor that told me any time that we had the opportunity to hear from the word of God in a collective setting, that we should prepare and, and pray that our heart would receive a treasure specifically to us from the Lord. And so in the months that I've been preparing for today, my heart and my prayer is that each and every one of you receive a treasure from God, the God Almighty, that, that, that you have a gem that speaks directly to your heart that can only come from the Lord of lords and King of kings. And that in spite of all my inadequacies, in spite of whatever you walked in here with, that God would speak to you radically. So if you will, let's pray over God's word and then we'll dive in. God, we love you. We thank you for your house. We thank you for what you are doing in this place, Lord God. We are excited, Lord, that you are challenging us to rise up with courageous faith. God, it's not my words, but it's your words that you speak through me here today, Lord. God, that your word is active and living. And God, that it would penetrate the very souls and our very hearts, God, so that we can leave here better people. We love you, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So Tim kicked us off last week with a little bit of history for courageous faith with the Israelites. And so I thought today it only fitting for us to continue in Joshua chapter 1 with the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua. So in chapter 1 of Joshua, feel free to turn there. Here's, here's what's taking place. Here's what's going on. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people, get ready. 
get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. So here we are. The book of Joshua tells about the children of Israel finally taking the promised land. Now I think it's interesting. Joshua, that his name actually means Yahweh saves or delivers. The Hebrew form of Joshua, right, is Joshua. The Greek form is Jesus. So isn't that a beautiful foreshadowing of the things to come for the believers of God's church? That Yahweh saves and delivers? That's awesome. Our God is a God of intentionality. His scripture is anointed. His word is good. And he is faithful. I get a little excited about that in my white boots. Anyway, so Joshua. Joshua, let's keep moving on. So he decides to send out two spies to go look over the land of Jericho, right? Now he learned in previous Exodus when they sent out 12, that didn't go so hot. Tim talked about that last week. If you haven't heard, watch online. So this time he's sending out two. I want a positive report. So he sends out two on this recon mission, classic war tactic, right? They're going to go explore the land of Jericho. So they go there, and these spies, they enter the house of a prostitute named Rahab. I know what you're thinking. What are two Israelite men going into the house of a prostitute? Right? It doesn't look so good. Well, typically, historians tell us that Rahab's house was most likely an inn, that her family owned an inn or a bed and breakfast for you, you know, bed and breakfast, as you might say, with a little extra emphasis on the bed part, which would explain how Rahab got her title of Rahab the prostitute. So these spies, she connects with them. She's having conversation with them. And I can imagine Rahab meeting up with them, huddling up, right, because she knows. She knows what the Israelites can do. And I'm about to share that passage with you here in a moment. And she makes a deal with them, a commitment. Spare my life. Spare my family. So Rahab, she says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sayon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, who you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. That leads me to my first point for today. Courageous faith requires belief. Belief in the God of heaven above and on earth below. And again, I'm, I know there's lots of scripture in text for today. So for time's sake, feel free to go back and read Joshua 1 through 5. But Rahab... With the scarlet cord, this is my 
symbolic cord for today. A symbolic cord that she hangs in her window that spares her and her family when the Israelites come to take Jericho in, in Joshua 5 and 6. And as a result of Rahab's belief, as a result, she ends up being restored, redeemed. This ex-prostitute, this nobody in the land of pagans be, becomes restored into a position of honor. She marries Salmon, Salmon who is a leader for the tribe of Judah, right, in, in the Israeli tribe, one of the Israelite tribes. They give birth to a son named Boaz. Boaz meets this hot chick in the field named Ruth. Boaz and Ruth give birth to Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David. And then King David, as you know, is in the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And I love this passage. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel so unworthy. So undeserving. Irredeemable. But because of our belief, God wants to restore each and every one of us. And I love that. So let's continue the story. So the spies, these black operatives, they return back to camp. They connect with Joshua, their leader, and they come to him. And I can envision these, these big dudes. They're ready to tell Joshua, let's go. It's go time, right? And they stand before their leader. And Joshua, who's believed to be about 80 years old at this time, right, they come and declare to him, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Again, that melting in fear. Because they knew this was the promised land. And then Joshua, I can envision him lifting his shoulders, right? Maybe sighing with this deep sigh and release of contentment of a man who spends time with Jesus intimately. And I can imagine him thinking, it's time. It's time. It's time for us to go to the promised land. So then in Joshua 3.1, the preparations begin for this miracle. So early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing. It was believed to be this would have been about a six-mile journey. And then Joshua 3.2, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. This leads me to my second point today. Courageous faith requires trust and obedience. Courageous faith requires, requires following God, even if we don't know the when, the how, the what, the why. Now here is a picture of what historians believe the Ark of the Covenant would have looked like. Um, people predict that it would have weighed anywhere from 330 pounds to 650. Right? So if it's 330 pounds, that's about 85 pounds per man carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And if you remember, if you remember 
or may know, may, some of you may or may not know that. But the ark represented the presence of God among the people. Tangible evidence of the covenant that God made with his people that, that you are mine and I am yours, right? I'm God of the Israelites. I'm the Almighty. And it replaced, during the Exodus, after the Exodus from Egypt, it replaced the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day that led the Israelites out of Egypt. So this, the Ark of the Covenant was this beautiful representation for the Israelites that God is the God of all the earth and all the heavens. So here we go. It's time for these Israelites. And I, at the time, before they crossed the Jordan River, people believe there are over 600,000 Israelites. Some scholars would argue almost a million among the 12 tribes, right? And I love this little fact in Joshua because... God is a God of order and structure and strategy and intentionality. And I love that we see that in this passage. So Joshua, this leader of courageous faith, he sends out the orders for how the people will approach the Ark of the Covenant. 2,000 feet, which or would be about 3,000 feet, 2,000 cubits, excuse me. And Joshua tells them, you don't know the way to go unless we follow God. The significance that God is with them. The almighty God goes before them. Joshua 3.5 then goes on to tell the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Talk about courageous faith. Joshua is expecting God to show up for them to cross the Jordan River. And he's encouraging the Israelites to anticipate that God will move. And to prepare for God to move, we have to do our part. So courageous faith requires our part in consecration. Now consecration, what does that mean? In this context, it would mean to purify, to set ourselves apart, right? To be set apart, to be wholly usable for God. And the meaning of this command, it goes even deeper, right? It, it means to obey God. In Exodus 19, Moses issues the same command to the Israelites in their exodus. He says, and the, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes. And so I think Joshua is continuing this pattern of purif purification, of being set apart. Because he's saying Joshua's command is to prepare yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, to anticipate what the living God is going to do. So Joshua then tells the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went on ahead of them. And I love this, this pause here. And the Lord says to Joshua, and I can imagine Joshua in the midst of directing his officers, right? And it's believed at this time there had been over 40,000 war-ready soldiers from the tribes of Manasseh and Gad, ready to lead behind the ark to cross over first. And then the additional men, women, and children. And I can en envision Joshua, as he's giving instructions to the priest, to the officers, to the people, that he pauses because God says, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to give you some more instruction. And Joshua pausing, and, and, the, and God says to him, today... I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. And I just wanted to highlight this because I love Joshua's courageous faith. Joshua was known as a man with a deep trust in God. 
In Numbers 27, 18, he was referred to as a man in whom is in the spirit. God was with Joshua. And God's reminding him of that before, they, before he performs this miracle for all of the Israelites. So he continues to give him instruction. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the Lord your God, the living God, is among you. And that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Pezzarites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. It's a lot of sites. Joshua lists two more tribes than what, would, than what Moses would have conquered, right? Because God has extended the promised land for the faithful ones of Israel through Joshua. And he continues his speech. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth? It will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And now, now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel one from each tribe. And as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan. Notice the Hebrew pattern of repetition, which is important, right? See the Lord of all the earth. See the Lord of all the earth. Because Joshua is making sure everybody knows. The ark of the covenant. Do you see what's about to happen? And I love that, right? And as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, Set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And now the, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Because I love that we would record the details. Here's what Jordan would have been, would have believed to have looked like during flood season. Pretty intense. Tim and I had the opportunity to go to Israel two years ago and be baptized in the Jordan River. It's fascinating. So this miracle is unbelievable. That God would literally stop the water and it would recede and over 600,000 people would watch this happen. I love it. So here he goes on to continue to say this. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their foot touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heat a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarenth, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I can't imagine this moment. I can envision thousands of Israelites, maybe some of them walking in reverence, that I cannot believe this is happening, were physically walking through a miracle. I can imagine some of them maybe even crying at the reality of what's taking place. Maybe some I could relate to, and I'd be like nervously laughing and like hustling across that riverbed quick, right? It, it's incredible what God does. And I, I'm, in, I'm reminded that so often we like to see and then move. But God wants us to trust him enough to move and then see. God, God wants us to trust him enough to move and then see. Courageous faith requires a response. You have to step in. And then we will see the wonders of God. Courageous faith allows for hope to rise up within. 
that your life be filled to overflowing with the goodness and kindness of God. So in closing, her question is for today is how do we live with courageous faith? Courageous faith requires belief. You know, during the, the IF conference, the IF gathering that we had here, it was incredible. It was a women's event. We partnered with like 10 other churches to host in here an opportunity for women to connect with Jesus, for us to pray, to worship, to see what God would have for us. It was amazing. I know many of you have gone in here and, and volunteered and helped serve. And I, I love the if gathering theme verse for this year. It was in, in Roman eight, Romans 8, 2. And it said this, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In your belief, you're free. And no matter how long you've been attending church, whether you're just checking this place out or you've been, you've got your, your butt indentions from your pew spot. I think that, that we can forget of the belief that we have in God. And that's a holy and reverent position to be in, right? Because we want to have this courageous faith that acknowledges that, that our God is the God of heaven and earth. And we need to be free. Some of us need to be free. Like Rahab, a redeemed ex-prostitute is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I'm this redeemed kid from the Midwest that's somehow standing up here preaching the word of God. Who would have thought? And I, I believe that for all of us, that God wants us to believe him, to live courageously for what he has for us. Number two, courageous faith requires trust and obedience. Charles Stanley says, spiritual progress occurs when you actively put the truth, you learn to practice application. We have to keep our eyes on him. We have to follow him. We have to seek after God and what he has for us. We steer where we stare. So what are you staring at? What has your attention? What are you cultivating in your life? We steer where we stare. Number three, courageous faith requires consecration of ourselves for God to move. We have to choose, choose to prepare ourselves physically, emotionally, and spiritually for God to move. You know, I love that we just came off of a, a corporate fast. And my prayer for those of you that participate, that God revealed to you something individually. There's power in setting aside time to be with God. We have to choose to set ourselves apart. Fourth, courageous faith requires a response. You have to step in and see what God has for you. You have to step in. So Joshua, in chapter 4, he tells a leader from each of the 12 tribes to grab a stone or a boulder. To create this memorial on the other side of the Jordan. Here's my stone. I got it from a backyard. Thank you, California rocks. And I was going to do more than one, and that's a lot of work. So here's my boulder to end on for today, our visual representation. So they build this memorial, these 12 leaders, as they're crossing through the Jordan, this miracle that they've seen take place. These leaders are grabbing these boulders. I like to think they're big boulders because I know guys are like, game on, challenge accepted. Here's my big boulder to build this memorial. 
this mound of rocks. Not only do they do a, a mound of memorial on one side of the Jordan, they do one in the middle where the ark stood on dry ground. And I think it's so interesting because Joshua, he goes on to say this as his closing to the people, his rallying point, as they're looking at this mound of boulders as a memorial of what God has happened. He says this in Joshua 4, 20 through 23. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So today we had our, our students lead us in our, our memory verse and our kids, right? We build memorials and we, we are intentional because that's the future of the church. Because we want to share our courageous faith with those that come behind us, right? With the legacy that we, that we each carry. And maybe some of you need to sit here today and, and, and maybe you're remembering exactly where you sat when you received something from the Lord. Maybe you are remembering that hard conversation that you had with a small group leader. Maybe you're remembering one of our nights of prayer and worship where the Lord powerfully spoke to you. Maybe you're remembering when you were baptized or when you were married or when you had your child day dedicated. Or maybe you're remembering the first time you raised your hand in worship because you were like, I don't know if this is awkward or not, but I'm going to raise my hand. I need to worship. Or maybe some of you are remembering what it's like to pray out loud. All of us are in different, different seasons. But that we would remember what God has done in our life and live in such a way with such courage that we can't not acknowledge the memorials to pass on to other people, to the generations that come. So if you will, I pray, my prayers for you and for me, is that we would hold in our hearts what God has done and what God's going to do and continue to do in each one of us. And that we would step out and live courageously. So let's pray. God, we love your word. God, we love what you teach us. God, that we can learn from the Old Testament and apply things for us today. God, I pray for my friends here in this room, Lord. God, so many of them, Lord, are in different seasons and are experiencing different things, God. And I pray that you would draw them close to you, Lord. God, that they would hear your small voice. God, that you would speak to them, whatever you're asking them to do to live courageously, Lord, that they would do that, that they would do that, Lord, that we would do that together, live courageously for you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this house. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the privilege to humbly serve you, God. You can use anybody, God. I thank you, Lord. We worship you. Amen.